It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world, written by our correspondents at The Times. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Toby Gillis. On today's podcast, we've a deep dive into whether China's leading party has boxed itself in by refusing to give unmarried women access to a key fertility treatment. We're also looking at TikTok's new measures to try and curb teenage screen time and how Pink Floyd's Roger Waters is making himself very unpopular with his anti-Semitic views. In a world with a growing population, it seems incredible to think that the most populous of those is not actually adding to that issue. That's right. China last year actually had a population decrease and it's pretty much down to women choosing not to have children. Well, yes, that's definitely the current issue. But of course, China has had very strict policies around childbirth for years. It's actually only seven years since the one-child policy ended. Which had in the main, of course, done its job, population control. Well, yeah, I mean, it certainly did. But it actually had a major knock-on effect, which relates to two elements. Um, The first is that there's now an excess of men, maybe four or even five percent more, but also a shortage right now specifically of women of childbearing age. And many of those that are in that category are unmarried. One of the issues that's been raised, which might at some point be a solution of sorts, would be to allow these women to freeze their eggs. Currently, that's banned. But the Times Beijing correspondent Didi Tang has written a story uh, explaining that a reproductive doctor in the southern province of Hainan uh, has recommended to the government that they lift that ban. But surely the government's, you know, it's in a difficult position now. They'll have to try anything to increase the number of births. If not now, then sometime at least in the short-term future, I'm guessing. Uh, well, that is exactly what I put to Didi when I spoke to her. Uh, but she said the thing is that the party has a number of considerations to make uh, and she's not convinced that the law will be repealed. The control is always a very important thing. This political advisor in her proposal she actually she came out with this sort of a compromise to say look you know a single woman can't have her eggs frozen but if later in your life you want to unfreeze it and if you want you know that egg to be uh, fertilized at that point you still need the marriage license. Sort of, I see that compromise as a viable way, right? 
Now, what I find interesting about this is that China isn't the only Far Eastern nation dealing with depopulation issues. I read a piece by our Asia editor, Richard Lloyd Parry, last week about South Korea, whose government has promised to make a concerted effort to increase the birth rate, which has fallen to a record low. Yeah, I read that article as well. And as a father to a two-year-old who doesn't sleep, I can safely say I understand the reticence of potential <laughs> parents from going through it. Okay, TikTok, a fun social media app or a way for China to spy on other countries. On Monday, the White House gave government agencies 30 days to ensure they don't have the Chinese-owned app on federal devices and systems, following in the footsteps of Canada, the EU, Taiwan and more than half of US states. There are increasing concerns about TikTok being used by the Chinese government to spy on its users Though owners bite dance, say those concerns have been fuelled by misinformation. Mind you, the whole issue of China and national security has intensified in recent weeks after a Chinese balloon, which Washington believed was being used for spying, was shot down over the US last month. So call me an old cynic old cynic. Rude. But the idea of TikTok bringing in new measures to try and reduce children's screen time seems to jar with the whole spying rhetoric. Uh, The Times technology correspondent Mark Selman's written an article on this. I caught up with Mark, who's in Barcelona at the World Mobile Congress, and he told me more about them. The first and probably the most eye-catching is a warning for under-18s after they have used TikTok for 60 minutes in a day to essentially say to them, are you sure you want to continue? Um, At that point of 60 minutes, they have to enter a code to continue. If they disable that feature, there is another backup feature uh, that if they use the app for more than 100 minutes in a day, uh, that they have to essentially set their own screen limit. So TikTok's been working with the experts from the Digital Wellness Lab at Boston Children's Hospital to come up with this 60-minute time limit. But hang on, it's not binding, is it? No, it's not. And having been a teenager myself a long, (laughs) long time ago, I do recall the chances of me doing anything just because I'd been warned about it were pretty slim. So Mark told me that he thinks TikTok is realistic, that this might not make any difference to how much time children use the app. But it may make a difference between what he calls passive engagement with the app and active engagement. I asked Mark if he thought it was just a PR exercise. The political debate is is really in the States and the the privacy debate is primarily being fought out there in a sort of surveillance situation. This almost sits in parallel because it's an international thing. It's it's devoid of politics, so to speak. It's it's very social in its nature. But I think, obviously, this is a, a, a brand issue for the Chinese owned company. Now, why not take out a time subscription to see how these changes are received on the world stage? And congratulations, not saying that the balloon inflated the issue. Okay, so Roger Waters, he's probably best known as the former lead singer of Pink Floyd behind iconic songs including Money, Another Brick in the Wall and the famous Shine On You Crazy Diamond. Yeah, what a song. But the 79-year-old is fast becoming better known for his anti-Semitic views. 
Now, it's led Frankfurt City Council to ban a performance scheduled for May the 28th after he said he was considered one of the most far-reaching anti-Semites in the world. He really did say that. Waters also didn't do himself any favours when he addressed a UN Security Council meeting at Russia's invitation, I might add, last month, where he said this. The Russian invasion of Ukraine was not unprovoked. So I also condemn the provocateurs in the strongest possible terms. His sympathetic stance towards Russia in the war had prompted Poland to cancel his concerts there. Now, he had five planned for Germany, but with Frankfurt cancelling, politicians are calling on Berlin, Cologne and Munich to follow Frankfurt's example. Jenny? Yes? Imagine a scenario you're on centre court. Oh, lovely. At Wimbledon. You're there for the final. Yeah. The Princess of Wales is also there. Kate? Because she is very, very significant part of the Lawn Tennis Association, which effectively runs Wimbledon. Now, her job on that day may be to hand a Russian tennis player the Wimbledon trophy. Ooh, hashtag awkward. Uh, That probably shouldn't happen in the current climate. I mean, can you picture the front page of the Times of Moscow? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think it would be more than strawberries and cream that Vladimir Putin would be gorging upon if it happened, of course. And it turns out... We, we sound like we're joking, but this is a very real mm. prospect that's forming a major part of the decision of the top bosses at the most prestigious tournament in tennis right at this moment. Yeah, this is an amazing exclusive from the Times tennis correspondent Stuart Fraser as part of a wider story that goes beyond just Wimbledon and the whole British summer of tennis to the world of politics and Kensington Palace. It does. In fact, in a way, it's more about Wimbledon warm-up events than the big one itself. We're talking about Queen's. That's quite a historic one in London. And then there's the Edgebaston competition near Birmingham. Uh, What's complicated here is that the governing bodies of the men's and women's tours license those, but not Wimbledon. And those bodies are actually threatening to revoke the licences for those tournaments if they keep up with last year's ban for Russians and Belarusians, even though really they're just following Wimbledon which is under pressure from the government to stick with the ban. It's quite complicated. I mean, you may be able to understand why when you hear our Times tennis correspondent Stuart Fraser explain just how big Wimbledon is, which he told us transcends the sport of tennis. If you let Russians and Belarusians play, for Wimbledon to be seen to be giving the opportunity for propaganda to be used as a result of Russians and Belarusians playing there, got to bear in mind that the Princess of Wales is the patron of the All England Club. Now, just imagine the optics of a high-profile royal presenting a Russian winner with the trophy on centre court. Of course, that would be used by the regimes. So I think it's fair to say that's sport washing in action there, Toby. It certainly is. And that's kind of among the points that the government has made, especially given the likelihood of a Russian or Belarusian winning the singles at Wimbledon. It was only in February that Belarus's Arena Sabalenka won the Women's Australian Open title. Uh, And there are two Russian men in the top 10 in the world. It could really happen this summer. And that's it for today's World in 10, Jenny. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then.